0: Listening to County Conversations, a podcast brought to you by the New York State Association of Counties. This episode features a conversation on recycling at the local level, proposed extended producer responsibility legislation in New York State, and policies that have reduced importation of recycled materials and led to a global recycling crisis. I'm your host, Kate Pierce, multimedia specialist with NYSAC. Today we're joined by Don Tim, Director of Niagara County's Division of Environmental and Solid Waste, and Vice Chair of the New York Product Stewardship
1: Council. Don, thanks for joining us today. It is my pleasure to be here, Kate. Thank you for having me.
0: So, Don, what would you describe the role of local government to be in solid waste management?
1: There are quite a few roles that government take uh, and they vary across the board, truthfully, Um, and it depends on geographically uh, where you are in the state. There are publicly owned authorities or publicly managed uh, collection disposal and recycling operations that exist. Um, there are local governments that manage the private contracts of uh, companies that would do the collection, the hauling, disposal, and processing of um, waste and recyclables. There are some governments that are completely out of the business of managing waste and put the responsibility on the homeowner um, or the user to procure um, their own services through, um, you know, through, through other means, such as private contracts. Um, or independently subscribing programs. So uh, it truthfully varies, but um, you know, by and large, uh, a lot of folks um, in the state are used to placing their trash and recycling out at the curb, whether that's in a cart or a bag or a bin, um, and it is hauled away. But you know, for, for the sake of this question, uh, there are quite a few communities across the state that uh, don't necessarily have access to those programs uh, and where government is or is not involved.
0: In recent years, uh, some global and national policies have resulted in what many have dubbed a recycling crisis. Um, Can you explain like the state of recycling in New York, how we got here and how it's impacting local governments?
1: Oh, certainly. Um, I'll just emphasize the fact that there has been a tremendous impact uh, to the recycling industry um, that has greatly impacted and influenced the state of New York, if not the entire country. Um, much of that has to do with some national sword policy in China that was passed in 2018. Um, you know, and still, and oftentimes when I explain this, a lot of folks try to understand how China um, has such a dramatic impact on our recycling systems. Um, and the simple answer is they were the major buyer um, or the end user and source of much of our curbside recyclables our recyclables that were processed and collected. And you know, for all intents and purposes, what China effectively said was that uh, we no longer want to accept the materials that come from anywhere in the world, but we'll use uh, New York as an example here. We don't wanna accept those recyclables any longer because they're too contaminated. And we end up spending a lot of resources to process them and are left with you know, a minutia or you know, a portion of what they expected say for plastic. Uh, and then they have a lot of waste product that they're left managing. So, what they've done is they placed a policy that said we will only accept 99.5% pure or half a percent contamination per bale or per unit of measure that is um, imported into China. And that has placed a tremendous burden on our system because, you know, in single stream programs, there's a fair amount of contamination that has gone through. And there's also, you know, a bit lax in, in the processing where, you know, some contamination would go through. Um, And that was, you know, 5 to 10%. And, you know, in some areas, it could be more, some areas can be less, of course. But at at this, to reach this half a percent mark, processing costs had increased because when you're spending more time sorting, processing, or slowing slowing down your sorting lines, that's time is money. Um, And that has saddled um, a lot of United States markets uh, related to recycling. And there's a lot, there's, there's more to it too. Um, that's the China sword element, but also, you know, um, unfortunately at the same time that we're reeling with these, these really high processing expenses and the fallout um, of China sword, we're also dealing with historically low commodity values. So as processing costs increased, the value of those processing uh, of those recyclables have gone down, and the delta in between has now become a massive expense. And that burden is now borne by local governments managing their programs.
0: Can you uh, talk just a little bit about the um, solid, solid waste management program and recycling programs in Niagara County?
1: Oh, sure. Out here in uh, western New York, so Niagara County is, um, we've got uh, Lake Ontario to our north and Erie County City of Buffalo to our south. So for us up here, a community of just over 200,000 folks, we are primarily a community that procures our services through contracts. Um, we have some public calling operations for some of our um, our small cities, but by and large, um, we rely on privately operated MRFs, which are material recoveries facilities um, and all uh, privately operated landfills and a lot of those operations out here are also have hauling operations that we uh, procure those services for.
0: So extended producer responsibility, or EPR, that's been touted as one solution to ease the recycling crisis's impact on local governments. Can you explain what this term means and what EPR programs
1: already exist in New York State? Certainly. So extended producer responsibility, or EPR, um, to, to boil it down to one condensed statement, is effectively engaging the manufacturer or the producer of a specific material or product in the management of that product's end of life. Um, we can use, um, you know, we, let's use a, a Cheerios box, if you will. Um, we, you know, rather than that, the manufacturer of that box um, just selling it and no longer adhering any responsibility to it, um, in the EPR program that, producer would be responsible in, in, a, in some capacity that would be defined by law or a program or a plan um, to become engaged in managing that product's end of useful life. And to that note, your second part of the question was name some policy in place. Um, one that immediately comes to mind is mercury thermostats. Um, not, if you're aware of how a thermostat runs, there's typically a mercury switch in there. Um, that uh, is involved in operating the device and triggers your furnace to come on or off. When those um, are swapped out, switched out, um, there is a a small amount of mercury in there that needs to be recovered due to the extreme impacts that mercury has on our natural environment. So there is a take back um, policy in the state of New York that recovers mercury thermostats. We also have electronic waste Um, The e-waste law in the state of New York is about just a little over 10 years old, and that has manufacturers and producers of specific covered electronic equipment responsible for um, funding a program to take back materials um, that they distribute, and that goes hand in hand in the state of New York with the disposal ban, so we have, you know, one hand of the policy requires producers to become responsible for their product and the other hand bans it from disposal so there becomes a uh, you know a need to uh f- and find an alternate recycling solution for electronics on um, the last uh, one which is fairly new um, in the state of new york is paint stewardship and this year any manufacturer of paint uh, in the state of new york uh, is by the by year's end will be required to set up a takeback network for all unused paint.
0: And as the vice chair of the New York Product Stewardship Council, what are some of the things that you're advocating for this year?
1: We are absolutely advocating for uh, Senator Kaminsky and Assemblyman Engelbright's policy related to uh, packaging stewardship. Uh, This is directly related to paper products and the curbside recycling products um, that we see in the state of New York. Uh, we're toting that for many reasons, but we also are actively supporting other uh, pieces of legislation, uh, namely the uh, Governor Cuomo in his 2020 budget. So last year had proposed some uh, EPR policy as it relates to uh, carpet and mattresses. We very much support that. Um, single use or alkaline batteries, um, we, we support uh, policy related to those as well.
0: Great. And you had touched a little bit on an EPR proposal for paper products and packaging. Um, can you explain a little bit about how this would work and what the impact would be on, say, Niagara County and other county governments?
1: Certainly. Uh, from, from a broad perspective, what this is proposing here um, is, is there, there's a lot to it. Um, but most importantly, it will provide um, some municipal relief to all of these local governments I said, we talked about the impacts of China Sword and the struggling commodity markets for uh, recyclables. What this proposal would do was engage manufacturers of paper and paper and, and products, uh, you know, packaging products, it would engage them in the management of their products and of useful life so they would effectively form um, a producer responsibility organization that would fund local governments for their collection and processing expenses for recyclables. So much of that economic burden that local governments, Niagara County included, are facing, and we've estimated just from the processing standpoint in the state of New York, almost $80 million processing fees um, have been, will, are projected for 2021, and not to mention the, the collection um, as well. But we're looking to advance the circular economy, excuse me, Senator Kaminsky and Assemblyman Engelbart are looking to advance the circular economy in the state of New York. They want to create minimum um, recycled content standards. They want to absolutely engage the manufacturers in funding a program that provides reimbursement to local governments. Other things than intangibles that we've, we've put in there, that education, um, that there will be some uh, consistent multilingual educational component with, um, I, that a consumer can easily identify if a product is in fact recyclable, or if one product may be favorable over another. You take a sauce jar, for example. If you have it in a non-recyclable container or a recyclable container, that sort of labeling would become important for a consumer to make an educated decision on what to do with that product when they're complete with it. And uh, you know, with this, in, in any talk of a circular economy, there's also the, the economic component. There's far more of an economic stimulus in recycling than there is when you don't recycle. There are folks that collect it, haul it, process it, market it, redistribute, recreate, resell, and and it goes on. That is the component of a circular economy, and that is what is being proposed um, in S-1185, which is proposed by uh, Senator Todd Kaminsky.
0: And so without that... What are counties left to do uh, without the process of recycling if it becomes too cost prohibitive.
1: It's an excellent question. Um, and what what many are doing now is suffering uh, in the sense that in, in, in much of what I talk about here is is pre pandemic related Um that There, there were programs that have seen substantial increases. Um, There is a a city here that I do a small city of 30,000 that I do some work with in Niagara County that um, five years ago was receiving $10 a ton for their recycling. Now we just wrote a a bid in November of 2020 um, they began paying $85 a ton to process. So that's a rather significant expense. You're looking to approximately $180,000 of an added expense to this community, and you know there comes a point where it becomes unsustainable. And we all love recycling, and we all understand the the environmental benefit associated with it. However, you know there comes a very harsh reality for a lot of local governments about looking to their program um, and identifying what they can do to change it. Um, some are going to extreme measures where they halt it or make modifications to it, cancel it. Others are, are limping and struggling along, but um, the, this proposal here, EPR for packaging and paper products, um, is geared at providing funding for the collection and processing of, of products. And that could be viewed as municipal relief. Um, And it could also, like I said, those intangible stimulating recovery markets, creating jobs um, and so on. And, And of course, advancing the education about recycled material.
0: We'll be right back to the discussion after this brief message from our sponsor. Nimer is a licensed, regulated insurer owned by its policyholders, over 900 municipalities across New York State. Together, they have built a strong, fiscally responsible company providing property and casualty insurance to counties, cities, towns, and villages, both big and small. NIMR is a non-for-profit program. Customer service, knowledge of municipal operations, as well as risk management and aggressive claims defense are the cornerstones of the company, not shareholder returns or corporate earnings targets. And what sort of education is available to folks, Um, so say in Niagara County, I'm a resident in Niagara County, hypothetically, um, how would I know what- We'd
1: love to have you here in Niagara County. Oh, that'd be great. So you're uh, asking about what type of education is available. Um, I, I hold a responsibility in this community to educate. And um, much of that, I rely on a social media platform or a web-based platform uh, I often interact with local government leaders and officials. Um, I, I place myself at community events, you know, whether it's our county fair or at the household hazardous waste events uh, that we sponsor. So we try to create a strong community presence um, and link the community to, um, to their, their trash and recycling. We wanna reduce waste. We want to increase recycling. We wanna recycle the correct way. Um, the state of New York, DEC, also provides a, in, in champions a Recycle Right campaign. Um, and much of that, again, is, you know, uh, through the use of, you know, some creative graphics and, um, and marketing, uh, social media platforms, you know, educational materials for schools and such, um, is where, where, we're not, where we're not, where we're not present is on a product. And many people struggle with what is recyclable and what isn't. Um, to, to a lot of folks, the arrows on the bottom of their plastic cup, uh, indicates it's recyclable. Um, but if there's a number in there, we, you know, we'll, we'll use a a number, the number three, um, very unlikely. The number six, anything polystyrene, uh, very much unlikely that it is recyclable, but that gets confused because we can't, we can't say to any manufacturer of that cup that they need to say that this is not recyclable or how they can manage this product. So to, the, so to the consumer, they see arrows, they put it in their recycle bin. Um, this proposal uh, involves an educational campaign where these manufacturers will have the ability um, and the obligation to create educational messages on their materials or their boxes or websites or something to disseminate to the broader um, public.
0: And just from my own curiosity, you had mentioned um that contamination of recycled product. Um, when you say contamination, is that an issue of things going in with the recycled product that are not supposed to be there? Or say like you toss in a container that still has food waste on it?
1: Uh, it could really be both. And that, that's an excellent question. A lot of the programs we have in the state of New York uh, have transitioned to what we call single stream or single sort processing. So that means everything goes into one truck that goes to one facility where it's sorted. So in that process, you have paper mixing with plastic, mixing with metal, um, you know, mixing with cardboard and, and the sophistication of the process is meant to separate that. However, if you put um, your yogurt tub in there that was half full of yogurt, um, and through the process, it ends up contaminating, you know, some paper in there. We've devalued it. So that's a contamination component. But also, too, if some, somebody thought that a garden hose um, and a plastic kiddie pool and some toys, the little people toys, um, were recyclable and put those in their uh, recycling container, those two have to get sorted out as well, and that could be viewed as contamination so getting back to my point about, you know, increased processing time and time is money. The the, the quicker and faster we can process recyclables, the less expensive would be in theory. So to do that, we need to educate folks on the proper things to put into their recycling stream and also to take some care to remove some of those food waste um, contaminants, if you will, the sauce, the yogurt, the liquids, the mold. You, 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 I, I've, I'm I'm guilty of it. That cottage cheese container that's been in the back of the fridge that's turned a lovely color of green. Yeah, scoop it out, rinse, rinse off the container and then put it in the recycle bin. You know,
0: anything that you wouldn't want to keep around in the fridge or on the counter, right? I guess you wouldn't really want to send to your
1: recycling facility. Sure, sure. You know, I, I've had residents approach me about, well, do I need to run it through the dishwasher? No, but you know, make a good effort to to rinse it out and in and, and um and get rid of the you know anything that you know anything that's in it you know, essentially, you know, if I think, you know, some folks get frustrated with the, you know, the, the ketchup container that you can't squeeze out and there's this much in there. You rinse it, give it a good shake and rinse it and, and then uh, and then put into your recycling container. And it's those little things that will, that will make a tremendous difference. And this needs to be part of a movement. Um, everyone uh, in, in a position that I serve across the state, you know, is faced with edu- educating um, residents about this this component. And um, having producers engaged, you know, it it it. The reason a stool has three legs is that we will have consumers, we will have government, and we will have producers all involved in assisting with advancing recycling in the state of New York. And right now, it's just it's it's not a stool. It's just consumers and government. So EPR policy related to packaging and paper products adds that third leg, that stability. Um, And the control, if you will, that we lack in government, we certainly can't tell. Um, We're we're always reactionary in government. Um, The sophistication of packaging and products and single use materials has advanced so much that we are always reactionary with dealing with those materials. So to engage producers in there, Um, and set forth something called an eco-modulating fee, if you will, that the more recyclable and the the greater the market exists for material, the less of a a fee a producer will pay for that product. But something that's not recyclable and and lacks uh, an adequate market will have a higher fee. And this is something um, in um, S-1185 proposed by Senator Kaminsky that that, um, a producer would work towards um, and submit a plan to the state for approval about how they would fund uh, this program to reimburse local governments.
0: As we're winding down here, is there anything else that you'd like to add to the conversation, either about the proposal or any other priorities for county and municipal solid waste agencies during the 2021 legislative session?
1: Well, thank you for that opportunity. Um, I I would take this this moment to encourage those listening um, that if if the potential for this packaging and, and paper product proposal uh, by Senator Kaminsky is anything that intrigues you, um, To certainly feel free to reach out to me um, through the New York State Product Stewardship Council. It's nypsc.org. Um, Or you can find me, Don Tim, in Niagara County. I'd be happy to answer questions. But we're looking for support. Um, We need support from the Assembly into the Senate. We need folks to talk about this and to talk about not only the environmental benefits and the relief benefits to government, but also the economic stimulus that can exist. If we just increase our recycling from, you know, uh, here in Niagara County, we're around 18%. If we double that, we need infrastructure, and advancing infrastructure means jobs. Um, so, so for that, uh, we we're really heavily beating the drum for this uh, proposal in S eleven eighty five, and we're extremely encouraged um, to have uh, Senator Kaminsky on board and and have drafted such a such a well thought out bill. And um, with that said, you know the NYPSC does a lot of work with with obviously with extended producer responsibility. And we look to, you know, advance carpet um, recovery in the state of New York and mattresses, and like I said earlier, alkaline batteries among a, a plethora of other products.
0: Great. Well, thank you so much again for taking the time to join us today and for discussing all of these issues and opportunities that we have with recycling going forward.
1: Well, it's been my pleasure, Kate. Thanks so much.
0: Thanks for listening to this week's episode of NYSAC's County Conversations podcast. Keep tuning in to hear more insightful interviews on policy and innovative solutions at the county level. And feel free to reach out to our staff if there is a topic you would like to hear us discuss on the podcast.